Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth. Today's saint is Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. She is patron of so many different groups of people. When I was doing research on her life, there are so many groups of people that see her uh, as a saint that they have a particular devotion and friendship with. She's patron saint of those who are homeless, of nurses, of widows, of those who have been falsely accused, young brides, and even bakers, among many others. And that's because I think that there's a, a certain degree of relatability in the life of St. Elizabeth. It's very easy to feel connected with her in her life, even if you don't belong to those groups that I listed that she's the patron saint of. I think it's worth it for all of us to develop a relationship, a friendship with this great saint. St. Elizabeth was born in Hungary in the year 1207. She was actually a princess, a legit princess. Uh, Her father was King Andrew II, and his wife was Queen Gertrude. Elizabeth would barely get to know her parents, however, because when she was only four years old, she was sent away from her home castle, sent away to a nearby state called Thuringia. And Thuringia is in modern-day Germany. It was this huge section of land that was ruled over by a landgrave named Hermann I. Now, if you don't know what a landgrave is, don't worry, it's a bit of a weird word. Basically, it's a count. A landgrave is essentially a count, someone who manages a certain territory under the authority of, at the time, the Holy Roman Emperor, who essentially ruled over the whole of Central Europe. And so landgrave Hermann had a little son who was set to rule over the kingdom when he was older. And he would need a queen by his side, right? And so if he was married to Elizabeth, that would mean that there would be a strong family alliance between Hungary and Thuringia. So it would assure peace and prosperity for both their kingdoms. And so Herman talked with Elizabeth's father, King Andrew, and both the fathers agreed that their children would marry when they got older to have this relationship between their two states. Now bear in mind that Elizabeth is still a toddler at this point when she is being basically put into this arranged marriage with Herman's young son. This may seem very strange to us, but at this point in history, it was very common to arrange the marriage of important royal family children very early in these kids' lives. And perhaps even more strange to us was the fact that Elizabeth was sent away when she was only four years old to no longer live with her family, but to live in the Thuringian court and grow up alongside her future husband. But this was what was normal. This was what was common and accepted back then. Now, the Thuringian court where Elizabeth moved when she was a toddler was famous for its magnificence, very rich. And the courtiers there lived very lavish, very extravagant lives. And so they were used to fine dining, and they wore the latest fashions, and they threw wild parties night after night after night. However, since the time she was little, Elizabeth was always a little bit different. Even though she had been raised in a royal family despite that upbringing, she wasn't attracted to that kind of lifestyle. She preferred instead to spend her time alone 
and in silence. She was a very thoughtful child. She needed time to recollect and think about life and the deeper questions of life. And uh, her mother-in-law, who at this time was pretty much acting like her mother because she was the one who was raising her, was a truly holy woman who spent a lot of time in prayer herself. And so she recognized that there was something happening in this little quiet girl, Elizabeth. And so she helped her use that time of silence to develop a relationship, a prayer life with God. And so Elizabeth grew up praying a lot, learning from her mother-in-law, and she was often teased by the other members of the court, by the other members of her family for being boring, for being overly pious because she didn't like to party it up with them when they were going out and attending their dances and their feasts. Her prayerfulness actually probably made them feel annoyed and maybe just a little bit guilty because she refused to join in their fun. But Elizabeth just quietly ignored them and did her own thing. Now, unfortunately, the boy who she was engaged to marry since the time she was four, he had died early in childhood. And so when she was 14, she was betrothed instead to his younger brother, a boy named Ludwig. And when the landgrave Hermann died, Ludwig took his father's place as landgrave of Thuringia. And that very same year, he married his young bride, Elizabeth. She was only 14 years old when she got married, which again, seems very strange in our time, but was quite normal back then. Despite the fact that their marriage was arranged from the time that they were just little children, these two, Ludwig and Elizabeth, actually really grew to love each other. They had a very happy marriage together. Ludwig was also a very prayerful man, and he helped to shelter his wife from the luxury, from the richness, from the the pompous nature of the court so that she could spend a lot of her time in prayer. And often before they fell asleep, she would kneel beside the bed praying for him while he held her hands and drifted off. So a very happy, uh, very holy couple living out their life together. Elizabeth was very happy and she became even happier when she and Ludwig discovered that they were pregnant. And she delivered a baby boy, healthy baby boy, who she named Herman. And then shortly after Herman was born, she got pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter named Sophia. Now, soon after delivering Sophia, her husband Ludwig was called away on business. He had to leave Thuringia and go and serve the emperor on business elsewhere in Europe. And so he left Elizabeth home alone in the castle. And so she had to step up to the challenge of leadership in his absence, making sure that the kingdom was run smoothly. It was no easy task, however, because in her husband's absence, Elizabeth had to lead her people through three major crises. Not one, not two, but three. There was a flood that happened. There was a terrible famine that destroyed many of the crops and left many people hungry. And there was a terrible disease that was ravaging the land. And so people lost their homes, their livelihoods from the flooding. Families were beginning to starve from the lack of food. And many children were left orphaned because their parents had become sick with the disease and had died. Now, Elizabeth had a choice to make. She could have locked herself away in her castle, tried to shut out the problems of her, of her people, the common people, because remember, she was someone who by nature, by her personality, she liked being quiet. She liked being alone by herself. She liked time to think that would have been the easy option. But her life of prayer 
had filled her with this burning love of God. And she was moved by this love to go out and serve the people, to allow herself to be stretched by God, to be taken out of her comfort zone. It led her outside of herself. She put aside her own personal wants in order to give herself to those who were in need. And so she got right to work. She built a new hospital that was able to treat many who had become sick. She organized and implemented a massive charity program that fed nearly 900 people every day, saving them from starvation. And to fund all of these efforts, it wasn't cheap. She gave liberally of her own palace wealth, even selling state clothing and jewelry to buy food and medical supplies. And so often she traveled around not wearing the royal garments that she was supposed to be wearing, but a simple common robe because she had sold all of her fancy clothing. But she did so much more than just give away money. Elizabeth personally went to the hospital to visit the sick and to treat their symptoms. She washed them. She cared for them. She was right there in line with all the others inside the kitchen, baking the food, cooking it, and serving the hungry. And now Ludwig was able to return for a short while from business. And when he came and saw that Thuringia was in good hands in her absence, he gave his wife all the support that she needed. He supported her charity to the poor. He encouraged her to sell whatever else she needed to from the house in order to care for them. But then Ludwig was called away again by the emperor. And soon after he left, Elizabeth realized that she was pregnant again. So now she's pregnant. She's carrying this baby. But despite her discomfort, she continued to put the needs of others above herself. Even when she was pregnant, she still was going about managing the kingdom and ministering to the poor. Now, unfortunately, Ludwig was not at home when she delivered their third child, a little girl who she named Gertrude, but her joy at the little girl's birth was cut short when a messenger arrived at the castle with terrible news. And the terrible news was that her husband, Ludwig, had become sick with a fever while on mission for the emperor and had suddenly died. And when she received this news, Elizabeth was heartbroken. She began sobbing and through her tears, she cried out, the world with all of its joys is now dead to me. The love of her life, her beloved Ludwig was dead and she was alone. And not only alone, but she had three small children to take care of. She had a kingdom to run and she was only 20 years old. Can you imagine what that would have been like to just get inside Elizabeth's mind? The, the sorrow, the grief, the fear, all piling on her at once. Now, some of her relatives pressured her to marry again, but Elizabeth couldn't bring herself to find anyone to replace Ludwig. And instead, she continued to serve the poor and the sick, all while raising her children as a single mother. In her work with the poor, Elizabeth had often interacted with the religious order of the Franciscans, the Franciscan friars who had only recently settled in that part of Germany. Uh, the Franciscans were founded by St. Francis of Assisi, a very famous saint. Uh, I've done a, a show on him in the past if you want to go and catch up on it if you haven't seen it yet. But the Franciscans lived a radical life of poverty in order to be free from their worldly concerns. And that allowed them to preach the gospel freely. And Elizabeth was very attracted 
to their simple lifestyle, their, their lifestyle that was unencumbered by wealth, completely lived out for God. And now that she was a widow, Elizabeth dreamed of joining the Franciscans and living out their spirituality more fully. She wanted to sell all that she had. She wanted to walk away from her responsibilities, no more politics, just go live a life of poverty and prayer, serving the Lord away from the public eye. This was, again, something that just would have come naturally to her from her personality, wanted to be quiet and alone. But her spiritual director wisely advised her not to give up all of her possessions just yet. Because he told her, you're able to serve the poor better with all of your wealth that is left behind by your husband. If you walk away from all of that now, who's going to take care of the poor because they don't have the financial resources that you have? Now, Elizabeth recognized that this was good advice, especially since Ludwig's brother, Heinrich, had assumed the role of landgrave in Thuringia. He was acting as a regent until Elizabeth's oldest son could take over for his dead father. But Heinrich was a greedy and power-hungry man, and he didn't want the family's wealth being wasted on the poor by Elizabeth. That's how he viewed it. He resented Elizabeth for all the work she was doing. He thought that she was giving away all of the, the resources of the castle to the poor when he wanted to use it for himself. And so he tried to legally hold back Elizabeth's dower, which is another word that you might not have heard before, a bit of a strange word. The dower was basically uh, the widow's share of her late husband's estate that would be left to her after his death. And so Heinrich was trying to keep back the dower that Elizabeth was owed. And Elizabeth knew that if Heinrich seized her dower that she was owed from Ludwig's death, she would not be able to care for the poor as she had in her life. She wouldn't have the, the resources to keep the hospital running. She wouldn't have the money to buy the food and supplies needed for the poor. And so Elizabeth entered into a legal conflict with her brother-in-law, a dispute in order to retain the dower that belonged to her. Now, this, as you can imagine, was a very trying experience for the peaceful and reserved Elizabeth. She wanted peace with her family. She wanted to get along with people. But Heinrich was trying to take her dower, and she knew that she had to seek justice in court in order to be able to follow God's directions to care for the poor with the money that Ludwig had left her. And so she eventually did win her case. She won the rights to use her dower as she saw fit, but she was also forced to leave the castle behind and live apart from her children who were taken care of by various relatives. And she was never really accepted by certain members of her family after this dispute. So eventually, Elizabeth had to take up residence away from the castle where she had lived with her family, now living with one of her uncles. But living with her uncle came with its own set of problems. He was a very pushy man who repeatedly tried to force Elizabeth to get married again. He tried to force her into engagements with various suitors from all over Europe, but Elizabeth constantly thwarted his schemes. Until finally one day, she threatened her uncle that if he tried to marry her off one more time, she would cut off her nose so that no man would ever want to marry her. And when he heard this bizarre threat that she made, when she finally put her foot down and said, enough is enough, uncle, he finally backed down and she was able to live out her single life 
in peace, finally. At peace from her family's pressure to get her to marry again after Ludwig. Now, because her children were being cared for by various family members, Elizabeth was actually free to become a third order Franciscan. So she wasn't a nun. She was still um, a lay woman, but she was living out the spirituality of the Franciscans, their spirituality of poverty for the sake of the love of God and for neighbor. And she continued to serve the poor and the sick. She used her, her dower money that she had won in court to provide for all of her many charities. She would often volunteer to care for the patient's with the most uh, repulsive and disgusting conditions. She would volunteer for the most unpleasant tasks that everyone else was afraid of doing. And it was because of this that when she was only 24 years old, she actually died quite suddenly. At the young age of 24, she died. She probably contracted a disease from one of the contagious patients that she was ministering to that other people were afraid to go near. So she's a really amazing woman who gave of herself right up till the last moment of her life in love and in care for those who were sick and abandoned by society. Now, one thing that I really love about Elizabeth, there's so many things, but one thing I love about St. Elizabeth is that she was willing to put aside what she wanted to do in order to be stretched by God into the saint that he was calling her to be. Elizabeth was a classic introvert. When other people were partying and feasting, she just wanted to be alone. She just wanted time to think, to pray. She was content to just live a quiet, hidden life as a loving wife to her husband, a good mother to live out her life in peace and quiet. But when God called her to leave the confines of the castle to serve the poor and the sick, she answered it. When her husband died and she was thrust into the position as basically the leader of the whole kingdom, she said yes, and she jumped into action to help her people. When her rights were being trampled by greedy family members, she would have probably by nature loved to just avoid the conflict, to surrender and just go live in a monastery for the rest of her life. But she knew that she couldn't give up. She knew she had to fight for what was right so that she could keep providing for the poor as God wished her to do. And that's a real lesson for all of us. Whether we're extroverts or introverts, all of us are born with personality traits. Some of us are more thoughtful. Some of us are more impulsive. Some of us are more, more driven. Some of us are more laid back. There's good and bad traits with each personality. And the amazing thing is that we're all unique. We've all been created unique and that's good, but God wants to stretch us no matter what our personality is in order that we die to what we want sometimes so that we can live for him. Now that doesn't mean that we just abandon our identities. God still wants us to be unique individuals with our own personality, but he wants us to grow in the places that we are naturally weak in. An example of this, I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love friends and parties and all that stuff. And so when I was told by my superiors as a seminarian that I would be doing a 30-day retreat in complete silence, I panicked a little bit. And in my prayer time with the Lord, I was telling God, God, this isn't natural for me. 
Like this can't be something that you want me to do. I'm going to go crazy for 30 days with no friends, no conversation, nothing but you, me, and prayer. But I kept hearing from the Lord that I was to be obedient, that the Lord wanted to stretch me into a place where I was uncomfortable, to take me out of my comfort zone, to take this extrovert and put me in a position where I had to be quiet for a whole month to spend time in silence with him. And so God might not call you on a 30-day silent retreat. He might not call you like Elizabeth to run a small kingdom. But God has a unique plan for your life that fits with the personality that he's designed you to have. He's created you the way you are for a reason. But in order for you to become a saint, you need to imitate Elizabeth in allowing yourself to be stretched, allowing yourself to be led out of your comfort zone, allowing God to mold you into the person that he wants you to be. And so let's pray for that grace right now, asking the intercession of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Elizabeth, you knew what it was like to lose someone who you loved very deeply. When you lost your husband, Ludwig, you felt like your world was ending. Help those who are grieving, all those who are listening right now who have lost their own spouse, who have lost parents or children, those who have lost beloved family and friends, so that they can be consoled by the mercy and the goodness of God, that he would send the Holy Spirit to console them in their times of loneliness and pain. And help us not to despair in our grief, but to continue to persevere in serving God, even when we feel like our life is over and we just can't go on. St. Elizabeth, you had a deep love for the poor and the sick, a love that moved you to generously give away all that you had to serve them. So give us that same heart for the poor, those that society thinks are a burden. Let us give of ourselves like you did until it hurts in order to meet their needs. Elizabeth, you were willing to let the Lord stretch you, to lead you outside of your comfort zones, to mold you into the saint that he had created you to be. So help us to be flexible with what the Lord is asking us, to grow us in our areas of weakness, to allow ourselves to be led by God to become the saints that he has desired us to be, the saints that he has created us for. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.